It's me again. I just forgot my mic. <laughs> Everything else. Okay, so it's been a little while, but I'm excited. We're getting back into it. We are going through the book of Galatians again. If you remember, that's something that we started the year off with uh, back in January, and we took a break just before the summer. Uh, but I wanted to start off with uh, I've got a question for you. I've got two personality types. I want you to listen to these, and I want you to think of which you kind of vibe with a little bit more. So these are kind of personality types, characteristics on how you kind of deal with passions in your life, how you kind of take something like a hobby or a, an interest and just make it become an all-consuming passion. So here's the first one, all right? So you find something intriguing, something that affects your mind, your body, your heart, emotionally, mentally. Maybe it's something related to art or it's a field of study. Maybe it's an athletic discipline or a hands-on hobby. Um, maybe it's just a social activity or an interaction. Yeah, even video gaming can count as something that you know just really gets you into it and intrigues you. Uh, maybe you're exposed to something really unique at first and you just had this really awesome experience. Like it just, when you're younger, you went out maybe fishing and it just was, you caught all these fish and it was awesome. Not my story, by the way. I've been out fishing like four times and I have yet to see a fish even like nibble. It's, so fishing is not my passion. That's not it. I've not had that experience, but maybe it was for you. Maybe you've actually seen a fish get caught. Okay, there's nothing unique about that, really. We all, you know, experience stuff. We all get excited about things from time to time. We can all relate to that. But here's the next part. After some years, maybe it's even shorter, maybe after just a few months, that excitement and energy kind of fades. Uh, and maybe you even got so into whatever it was, snowboarding or skiing or kayaking or hiking, and you kitted yourself out with all the equipment and gear. Maybe you really liked reading and you bought the whole set and all the fan fiction of whatever. Uh, and then it starts to kind of fade away and it starts gathering dust and it's no longer a priority. The passion's kind of gone. But that's okay because there's a new thing, right? And then you found the next thing and you're kind of full head bore into that. Um, and, you know, you just find, maybe you describe yourself as a generalist a bit. You have a whole bunch of different stuff. You've gone through different phases and maybe it's due to your age or due to seasons in life or time and accessibilities. But you kind of don't stick with one thing. You kind of just, another thing and another thing. And that, that's kind of fine, right? Maybe you can relate to that. But you're not really diving into something to gain mastery, right? You're probably not going to go to the Olympics with it or end up on the cover of any magazines. But that brings us to the other trait. So that's the first one, right? Now, here's the other one. Tell me if you can relate to this. Or maybe you know somebody like this. And actually, I'm going to explain it through a story of somebody I know. Um, a friend of mine who I met in college, we'll call him Jesse, because that's what he liked to be called. It's his name. <laughs> so my friend, he loves reading. He loves stories. He loves fiction. He specifically loves fantasy, right? A specific genre of fantasy. Maybe some of you already know where this is going. And uh, I quickly discovered his passion, right? Okay, because that's the thing, what passions do. You just, you know it, whether they use the words or whatever, because they're probably wearing shirts or they are like free marketing for whatever their passion is. He had a passion for Lord of the Rings. Anybody else know somebody like that? Or it's just, maybe it's you and you're just in the closet about it a bit. He was, and it wasn't just like the movies, because they're good movies. He, the books too, which I honestly, this is just the admission, I didn't even know there was like books originally. I just saw the movie in the theaters. 
I know now, it's okay, Rob, I know now. And it was like, it wasn't even just the books, it was like all the extended fiction and everything that J.R.R. Tolkien had ever written, and then the fan fiction and the entire fantastical world. I learned there's a term for it, a tokenite. He was a tokenite. This was like all-consuming. And so I'm just a guy who like saw parts of a movie one time, and I remember the fireworks scene, which is apparently like the first two minutes, and then like one fight scene, which is like five minutes later. So he's like, you've never seen the movie. And that year, my college years, I got introduced to the extended, the, not the theatrical release, the extended release marathon, which takes like 11 and a half hours of watching them all. I did that a few times too. That's what happens when you engage with somebody with a passion, right? Like a complete life-consuming passion. It was admirable because he lived and breathed this stuff. And like, honestly, the allegories in Tolkien's writings, he would use that, like his mind just thought it through and it applied to everything in his life as well. And then this is the best part too. He met a woman who had like an 85% level passion for J.R. Tolkien as well. It's great, match made in heaven, right? So they got married. I was part of the wedding. It was a theme wedding. It was a Lord of the Rings theme wedding. I did not put a picture up there. You have to put the work in if you want to see, but I pulled off a pretty good Legolas. Do some Facebook creep in there if you want to see that. Three-day wedding, medieval wedding celebration too, by the way. <laughs> okay, but maybe you don't have a token-specific fascination, but the point is here is if maybe you can relate to a personality type that has a unique ability to just really focus in on something and to go beyond just like a fun hobby, a fun interest, but to turn it into like a life-shaping passion that doesn't leave you, it transcends seasons, it transcends age, you find a way for it to guide through your whole life. Anybody here relate to that one or are you maybe more the, the former, the kind of going through trends and phases? You don't have to answer, that's fine. I'm definitely the former, okay? Like I hop on bandwagons, I find something intriguing, go full bore and then take off and go to the next thing. And it's fun, it's expensive, but it's fun. Uh, you, you experience a lot of stuff, and, but it can also be a bit shallow, right? You never get to the huge depth of it. And seriously, like, let me tell you, my older sister got, well, actually, so her life passion for a long time was figure skating. When I was a little kid, I was like, oh, that's kind of neat, right? So I had a very short-lived, okay, very short-lived interest in figure skating. Didn't last too long. And then the pandemic hit even, so this was years ago, Two years ago, the pandemic hit and we're stuck at home and I was like, oh, I bet you baking pastries would be really awesome. Also very short-lived. Okay, so I just go up and down all the time. Maybe you relate to that or maybe it's just me, okay? Or you can give me comfort and encouragement that it's not just me after the service. But you find yourself up and down, interested, you lose interest, you find a different thing. And I think that's a little bit of the human condition and it's not your fault, it's not my fault necessarily because I think there's actually something way bigger that is in action in our world. One, there's this capitalist market of the world that wants you always looking for something else. But two, there's an actual spiritual warfare going on, this battle between a God who wants our attention and the enemy, Satan, who doesn't want us to have the ability to focus in or spend time on anything for any given amount of time at all so that we're always distracted and we stay shallow, we stay at the surface all the time. We lose the ability to give any one thing our true life's passion. So what does this have to do with anything? Well, 
Like I said at the start of this, we are diving back into a study on the book of Galatians. We are going through this book in the New Testament, word by word, verse by verse, just letting the text speak to us. But we have this overall theme we're focusing on. We've called it Jesus plus nothing. And that's important because it's something that I think we can relate to. It's something that the author, uh, the Apostle Paul, saw in the church, the people that he was writing to as well, needed is to have a passion for Jesus. And more often than not, a lot of us stay more in the shallow on everything, including our faith. And we can't actually have that. So I want to do a little recap just to get us back into the Bible study mode. I had to spend all week doing this too. I you know, I had an awesome summer with Alex and some of the interns, and we're pulling wiring through the building, and we're ripping up old carpets, and it's awesome. But I'm like, sit at the desk, open up my books, try to relearn how to do it. So dive into some of the recap with me, just some overview. So the book of Galatians, if you've got a physical Bible with you here, awesome. It's about three quarters of the way through the whole big book. It is just after uh, first and second Corinthians, if you're flipping through, if you hit Ephesians or any of the other Ians, let's go back a little bit. But the book of Galatians is what's called an epistle. It just literally means a letter. And most of the New Testament were books that were epistles. They were letters written by a man named Paul, an apostle, who had planted churches, and he was writing letters of instruction to them. And it's actually an even bigger story than that was really cool. So this man, Paul, he actually spent the first part of his life passionately, had a strong passion, passionately pursuing followers of Jesus in order to arrest them and in order to see them imprisoned and executed. He hated Jesus. He hated followers of Jesus and everything that Jesus stood for until he had this face-to-face encounter with Jesus and his whole life was reshaped and changed. And Jesus came in, blinded him, told him, Everything he was doing was wrong and in the wrong focus. Paul believed Jesus. His passion changed in an instant and stayed true to Jesus after that. He planted churches all around ancient Mediterranean area, especially further east in like the kind of ancient eastern Asia minor areas. And so then we get this area called Galatia, which is kind of like modern-day Turkey if you're looking at a map. But uh, there was a whole bunch of churches Paul had planted. And uh, interesting little like, party trick fact is actually the book of Galatians was one of the first letters and the oldest books that, or letters that Paul ever wrote. So uh, it's only about 15 years after Jesus' death, only a couple years after Paul had actually traveled there, and something came up that was alarming Paul. So if you're, if you're reading through this, uh, and you start at the very beginning of the book of Galatians, right in chapter 1, pretty quickly on, you learn what the reason Paul was writing to this church for, these people. And he says it, so it's in Galatians 1, 6. If you've got your smartphone, easy. Just search it up, G-A-L, you'll find it. Um, Paul writes this to Christians in Galatia, uh, the reason for the letter. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly abandoning the gospel message of grace, the grace of Jesus, and instead turning to false gospels, which are no gospel at all. Now, this word gospel means good news. He's talking about the good news of Jesus, the same kind of transformational message that turned him from hating and persecuting Christians to a new life in God, a real relationship with God, forgiveness of sin, this exciting passion he had. And he's like, that's what I told you. And, and, and right away, you're finding something different. You've lost that initial passion, and you're replacing it with other stuff. And he goes all through these things, and we'll dive into that in a bit. But the reality of where these early Christians found themselves, 
they're probably thinking, we're fine. It's good. We still go to church on Sundays. We're still doing good stuff. We have good manners. You know, we're just also trying to live the life that we, you remembered before Jesus and these other things that our neighboring cultures do that we like. And just adding it to it is good stuff, right? So they're probably a bit blindsided. And I think we often find ourselves in that same place. I'm doing fine. I'm doing good enough. Like, everything's okay. I, I might not be on fire, but, you know, I go to church on Sundays, or I watch online, or I like a few of the Facebook posts. I'm, it's, it's okay, right? But what happens, and it happens often kind of slowly, we lose our passion for Jesus for the clean, pure gospel of grace that Jesus brings in. And subtly, even though we think we're kind of close to it, we actually start replacing Jesus with other stuff in our life. And we kind of make that the focal point of our passion. The devil loves it when we think it's going to be this thing or the next thing, or it's a specific way we sing music and worship this morning, which our our worship team here is amazing. Thank you so much for leading us in that, guys, too. Or maybe it's a specific Bible study that we do, or maybe it's just a specific kind of book that we read or translation, right? We, we start getting distracted from it. But like in a book at the very end of the Bible, Revelation uh, 2.4 says, we lose our first love for Jesus. And there's a warning that comes in that passage too, if you're going on to it, it says, you've lost that first love. And it's not just a small thing. You actually are in danger of losing all of it. And what the, and Revelation says, you're in danger of being snuffed out. So ask yourself this. Here's a couple questions, right? And these, I, I was writing these out because I was thinking I experienced these things this week alone. Ask yourself this. If you're out in public having a conversation about your faith, maybe it's just with a friend or a spouse or your family or whatever, you're talking about faith, you start talking about Jesus a little bit, do you catch yourself lowering your voice a bit so people around you don't hear you say Jesus? Because it could be controversial. What if it bothers somebody around you, right? When somebody asks you, what you believe, how quick is your response or the first words that come out of your mouth following Jesus? Or do you start off with a handful of social justice initiatives and the good things that you do for the poor and the needy and all the things that your church does, which is awesome, but Jesus kind of comes later and subtly, right? Are people even around you asking about Jesus? Or has that passion gone away so much that and, and this is my fear sometimes in my life. I see it in a lot of our lives. I see it a lot in our world too, that we believe in Jesus by like, you know, what seems to be, you might believe in Jesus just by default, but people around you might think that you don't really believe what you say you believe. The passion's gone, so people aren't even asking you about Jesus anymore. Here, here's an overwhelmingly common path I see, especially in my generation, to how this happens, and it's subtle and it's slow, because you, you, you might start off with this exciting encounter with Jesus, tr- comes into your, whether it's maybe it was a camp or it was a worship experience, you got baptized, you're on fire, Jesus has changed your life. You just heard about the gospel, this fact that a God came into the world and did so much for you and you didn't have to do anything. You're a mess, God still loves you, he forgives you, you can live an even more inspired, better life eternally with him. And you're like, that's awesome, I love it. And the fruits of that start coming, and you start getting out into the world and sharing that passion and love of God. You start getting involved in social justice initiatives, and and frankly, we should be as followers of Jesus on the front lines of bringing food to the hungry and helping people out of poverty and delivering people out of disaster and war. Absolutely amazing things. And you get into that, 
And suddenly that starts becoming your primary focus. And then slowly that starts becoming your only focus. And Jesus actually isn't the drive behind it, but more than that, he's not even necessary anymore. This is one of the most common things I hear about people who I've grown up with, a part of faith, who if they've gone to Bible college, got masters in theologies, they are like, I could do all the work that Jesus taught me to do, but I don't need Jesus anymore. And then there's a surprising thing because you've actually completely devalued and lost the gospel of Jesus. It might even not just be on that. That's one common thing that I've experienced, but maybe your faith has led you into this exciting academic pursuit of history and apologetics and biblical study and all this stuff, and you just love filling your head with all of this information and data. You know the historical facts about where Jesus was and where he traveled and all these things that happened and the different apocryphal books, and it so, super excites you, but then suddenly that's all it. It's just head knowledge. and It's just study, and you've kind of lost the first love again for Jesus. Or maybe you're actually a skeptic on the outside of all this. Maybe you got dragged here to church or you're listening to this and you're like, I still don't even care about all this stuff because everyone I've seen doesn't really follow Jesus. They have all these other things. It's Jesus plus a whole pile of traditions that I have to do. It's Jesus plus a way I have to vote in all the next elections. It's Jesus plus this stance on whatever political or social issue and that's all you've seen as a depiction of faith is just Jesus plus something. And then that's where Paul comes into this book. He's writing to the Galatians. He's writing to us is that actually we need to come right back to the pure passion for Jesus. And that's Jesus plus nothing else. So um, what I want to do here is just prep us into this season of study, something that I think can impact us here and today, but also as we go through the rest of this book of Galatians, the second half of it, I want us to have this mindset of exactly what I mean when I'm saying Jesus plus nothing. How do we get there? How do we revive this passion? So I thought, let's start off this morning with just a bit of a general talk on how to reignite or revive your passion for Jesus or for anything. Now, I'll say this, I, I thought, let's head over to Google, right? Because that's where all the answers come from. Type in, reignite your passion. You do not get any help for faith. What you do get is a whole lot of marriage advice, especially like marriage intimacy advice. Tons of articles and blogs and podcasts on that. Lots of that. So I went through that, eventually found some that were more about like entrepreneurial stuff or how to reignite, actually a big old article on how to reignite your passion for theatrical acting and drama when you're out of high school because it doesn't really pay well, right? So how do you keep that passion going? Started finding some themes. Also took a look at what the Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Galatians. I found some themes. I found three things that we can do actively to revive our passion for Jesus. If you're thinking back to some of the previous stuff, and you're like, I catch myself doing that. I do find myself sometimes not as stoked People, in fact, all around me aren't even asking me ever about Jesus. I must not talk much about him. I must not act like I really care that much about him. It's just internal. Whereas a passion like my, my friend, the tokenite, you can't be within five feet of him without just getting crammed down your throat with J.R.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings stuff, right? Like, I know more about Ents than I ever wanted to. Those are the talking trees, I think. Maybe I don't know that much about it because of his passion, how much do people know about Jesus because of your passion? So there's three things, okay? And if they happen to help your marriage or intimacy as well, that's great, but not my intention. I wasn't trying to do a marriage message this morning. First one, though, 
is practice. Now, I kind of like to just define practice as doing the thing that you know you should do even when you don't feel like it. Now, we are actually going to talk a little bit more about the relationship marriage stuff because it's super relatable. Um, I had the, or the privilege of officiating a wedding for some close friends of mine this summer, and one of, you make this amazing commitment to each other, and you talk about, you start off, you have this excitement, this passion, but when you say those vows, right, if you remember in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, maybe you wrote some custom vows as well, maybe articulate or change them up a bit. A simple summary of that whole thing, of those marriage vows, is saying you 